The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. I think we'll go ahead and get started. Thank you all for being here. Uh, I'm Jeff Harden, and this is Nancy Smee. And you will, um, in a few minutes, see today's uh, <laughs> guest of honor. She's, she's changing. Um, and thank you all for coming today. It's really great to see so many friends here and have all the support and interest in our project that we're doing. Um, we have about, uh, we'll go for about two hours, and uh, this is very informal, so if there's any questions, we have a, a designated question and answer session, but if, if one of us says something that's a little unclear, uh, please don't be shy. And I got um, probably about 10 emails of people who really wanted to be here but couldn't. I've been told it's a... Um, the opening game of the 49ers today, <laughs> for one thing. And so for those of you who are, are football fans, thank you for your dedication for coming here. But So there's a lot of people who want to be here today, and, and we're video recording it. This is Brian McKenzie. He's our AV wizard, and we're very grateful that he's doing this. Um, so part of it is we'd really like to capture all of the questions, you know, so it's not just people don't hear just the answers. So when we do the Q&A session, uh, please... Um, uh, use our microphones, and we're recording it, and this will also be on Audio Dharma. Uh, so thank you for helping us with that. Um, and what we'll, what our plan is today is to um, kind of break it up into different sections. I'm just doing a brief introduction here, and then Nancy's going to talk about the intentions for our trip, um, which is coming up in February, March. And then uh, Beth will make some comments about Cambodia and you know, she's on our board of advisors, so she has uh, a lot of input and opinions about uh, what um, we've done and what we're planning on doing. And then I have some slides of Cambodia that I'll show and talk about some of the nitty-gritty details for those of you who are interested in, in actually going on the trip, some of the specifics, the logistics, um, how we have it set up. And then we'll have plenty of time for questions and answers. So... Um, I think that's about all I had to say. Uh, do, would you prepare this? So I want to add my welcome. And um, so I'm just going to talk for a couple of minutes about uh, the intention of our trip. And um, we have a lot of enthusiasm that is building about this. We've been actually talking about it for um a couple of years now, almost, just about a couple of years, and now it's coming to fruition. Um, first of all, in our intentions, uh, especially for those of you who are medical providers, you know that we talk a lot about beneficence, doing good, and uh, that is our primary goal. But we also talk in medicine about non-maleficence, not doing any harm, and we do want to make sure that we don't do harm in this practice of taking care, taking aid to cultures that we are not so familiar with. So we're going to be learning about how to do that well. We um, have chosen a Buddhist country, first of all, to uh, go on this mission uh, because we felt like there would be a philosophical fit.
fit, a nice philosophical fit and good support for beliefs that are already there in that country. Um, we're joining with a group that has done this before, and they are from Cambodia. They're called Cambodian Health Professionals of America, and um, they have lived, many of them lived and escaped from the um, persecutions in Cambodia, and now they're returning and providing care. So they know how to do it. They speak Khmer. Um, they can educate us very well about a cultural approach to people, and we feel a lot of confidence in this. They can also provide the logistics and the ground support. Um, you may be asking, well, I really uh, would like to do this, but I'm not medically trained, or I'm not, um, you know, I, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a physical therapist. Could I be of use? And the answer to that is absolutely yes. And uh, the Cambodian Health Professionals Group, they take many non-medical people. We put everybody to work. There's a lot of um, background work that has to be done in registering patients in um, escorting patients from place to place, in passing out medicines, uh, in doing a lot of the logistics that occur with doing a trip of this magnitude. So everyone is welcome and could be of good use. Okay, is that enough? Okay. So I am now going to pass the mic to our very honored guest. For those of you who heard her this morning, you know the work she's been doing in Cambodia and um, that she will continue to be overseeing. And um, I'm going to just let her share her wisdom. Oh, dear. It's on? Okay. Um, first, I'm sorry to have come late. Um, what I'd like to do is take questions because I don't know what you need to know. You don't know what you need to know either, but I think you've probably got some ideas about what's worrying you about, you know, going halfway around the world to a place with a history like Cambodia's and what you're going to find there. So can we do it that way? Could we take a couple of questions? Yes. And specifically, yeah. questions for Beth and her role in living in Cambodia. We have a whole presentation on yeah. the logistics and you know the nitty gritty of the trip. But she's our, yeah. one of our um, most active advisors for yeah. um, the, pro uh, the program, yeah. and she's really been instrumental in setting this up. And but she knows okay. the country. Wait. Okay. Okay. I founded. Um, Brahmavihara Cambodia, which used to be called Brahmavihara Cambodia AIDS Project 13 years ago. We work with uh, destitute AIDS, cancer, and tuberculosis patients. We work in hospitals and hospices and in the prisons and in people's homes. 
Our primary work is chaplaincy, but we do a lot of social work and we do a lot of material aid. So that's that's basically what we do. And, and um, there's a website. It's way out of date, but <laughs> somewhere in the next few months it's going to get caught up. Okay. About, yes. Well, perhaps some of this would be covered in the, the presentation, but... Um, so if I went to Cambodia there, what would I, um, kind of what would I see? Who would I meet? What kind of people? How about the weather? How about, how okay. about uh, diseases? How? Let let me give you the parts of it that are not who you're going to meet, <laughs> because that's very much the trip. Um, you're going in February. It's the rainy season is over. We're probably into the hot season, okay? Um, what you want are lightweight uh, clothes. You want hats that give wide brims and shade. Um, you want, because you're not, you can't protect yourselves the way Cambodians do with long sleeves and long gloves and you'll die. <laughs> Okay, so imagine the middle of the hottest day in Palo Alto, but humid. Okay, and bring clothes accordingly. Now, you should know that Cambodia is one of the cheap clothing capitals of the world. And if <clears throat> you find you don't have appropriate clothes, I'll take you to the Russian market and I'll bargain you for two and a half dollars each all the clothes you need. <laughs> but um, you do want mosquito repellent. It's a lot cheaper there. If Jeff wants me to, I will buy the really great stuff that I use, which comes in three flavors, but the, the lime is really nice. It's a nice skin cream, okay? And it's very, very effective. Um, the answer to malaria is try not to get bit. Um, I know that some of you will take the heavy-duty prophylactic medicines, but what they do if you do get bit and you do get malaria is it makes it hard to diagnose what kind of malaria you got. So if you can avoid getting bit, that's good. Uh, very comfortable shoes that you can take off easily because when you go into any enclosed place, you take your shoes off, okay? Socks like these are for sale everywhere. You know, they cost less than 50 cents a pair. You can get them tall, too, if you want to wear them at night, and they're protective against mosquitoes. Um, but basically, loose, comfortable Leave your jewelry at home. Leave your makeup at home. Okay? What the jewelry is only going to make you a target. The makeup is going to make you seem alien and unable to help. I mean, I, I don't see any problematic levels of makeup here, but, you know, some people, when they're nervous, like to get dressed up a lot. Don't. 
Does that help? Yes, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Uh, the streets are mostly paved, but I'm not sure about where you're going to be. I just wanted to add, on our website, we have a 12-page document that I've prepared with all of the nitty-gritty details about what to pack, you know, what the conditions are, the daily schedules that we'll have, the itinerary, everything, you know, uh, books to read, uh, websites, all of that, and, and medications. So it's, it's very detailed, and I've had a number of people like Beth look it over and... So, and we'll talk some more about that. The other thing is you can buy any medicine in Cambodia. You don't need prescriptions. <laughs> it might be out of date, but I can take you to pharmacies where it won't. So should you happen to leave some essential medicine behind, don't panic. Okay? <laughs> so, Beth, does that mean we'll be seeing you there? Well, I certainly hope so. Am I going to see them there? Unless you're on retreat, I hope so. I don't get to go on retreat. <laughs> then yes. <laughs> We're holding her hostage for the whole two weeks. No, I'm hoping to travel with you as much as I can because I'm real excited about this mission and I think it's going to be wonderful. Um, other questions? So um, I'm excited for this trip. However, I'm not used to traveling, and so I uh, don't know, have a clue of what to expect, except for what I hear other people say. My daughter is terrified. She's saying that's a very dangerous place. And I'm thinking, well, if it's a Buddhist place, isn't that interesting that we uh, have to be careful being <laughs> targets and all of that? So, uh, okay, I that's like saying it's a Christian country. It doesn't have wars. Thank you. <laughs> it's not dangerous the way it was when I moved there in 96, for example. It's but we're going to be all together. Like gonna I'm going to be cocooned Your with. Your safety is going to be taken care of. What you need to worry about is jet lag if you've never traveled. Okay? Um, jet lag. You want to go off coffee 36 hours before you take a plane. Um, you want to, if you have no reason, well, if, you, if, you're, if you're completely vegan and all the rest of it, you want to take valerian on the long plane ride so you get sleep. If not, diazepam works, Benadryl works. In other words, you want to knock yourself out as much as possible for the long plane ride, okay? Because you're going to feel exhausted. Your body is going to need to adjust to the climate. I don't know if you're staying in air-conditioned places. It will feel more comfortable immediately, <coughs> but it will make it harder for your body to adjust when you go out. So you need to respect that. Respect that you're going to be tired. Respect that your emotions are going to be out of control a lot of the time. And just practice with it. You know, this is what we practice with. Yeah. But um, your, your kids have got essentially an outdated view of Cambodia. You're going to come into Cambodia, and Phnom Penh has got some of the finest restaurants you'll ever find 
for a 20th the price of New York. <laughs> and Jeff will make sure you're safe. Yeah. We've, we've really done everything possible to research. I've been there the last two years, and, you know, Beth has consulted with us and other people. Je this is Jeff Zyra over here, by the way, and he's spent quite a bit of time in Cambodia, and he'll be on the trip. So um, safety is our number one issue, getting back to what Nancy was saying, and um, we'll talk more about some specifics. Uh, but it, I, I think the country is very safe, and especially if you follow a few precautions. Your, your biggest danger other than the... Uh, jet lag is traffic. Um, you know, it's just kind of, and that's, you know, go to New York City. And, so um, we have some specific suggestions about how not to get hit by a motorcycle accidentally. When you cross the street, look everybody in the eye before you decide whether they're going first or you're going first. It's very interesting. It's, there are people who are, you can't do that with, like, four boys on a motorcycle. But the general rule for safety crossing a street has nothing to do with anything but looking people in the eye and making contact. And then you'll see if they're going to push on ahead of you or if they're going to hold back and let you go. It's a matter of attention. <laughs> Okay, anyway, I've taken up much more than my 10 minutes. <laughs> um, and when we get into uh, Q&A, please feel free to direct specific questions to Beth because she's got the years of time there and can really <laughs> <laughs> really tell you the you know, stuff that you won't find in the uh, Lonely Planet Guide to Cambodia. This is, this is a fantastic book, but fantastic Beth book. could write you know, kind of the, the underbelly of this. <laughs> so... Well, I'd like to move into some of the specific details and use some slides to, to show you uh, some, give, give you an idea of what to expect. And um, the, um, just kind of backing up for a moment, um, you know, we've, we've actually been working on this for a couple of years. Um, we're 501c3. And we, as uh, Nancy said we chose Cambodia, um, actually mainly due to her, because she had such great connections. I mean, every time I go to Cambodia, she, you know, like she said about going shopping or, you know, if you need to know something or meet somebody, she's really um, helped us get this off the ground. <clears throat> Some of this is a little out of date, um, and th these are statistics, and it doesn't really tell the story on the ground of, what the average Cambodian, you know, what their experience is and what their health is. But um, it's, a, uh, it's a fascinating country historically, um, just you know, not only from a Buddhist perspective, but from, I guess, a sociologist's perspective or a historian, historian's perspective. Um, and it's had, you know, uh, probably, uh, I'd say, at least 1,200 uh, years of uh, Buddhism there, and we'll be visiting Angkor Wat, which I have a picture of later, which is, I guess it's been, it's, it's an enormous um, set of temples that were built by uh, the Angkor Society out anywhere from 1,000 years to uh, six, 700 years ago. Um, and they, uh, the main one called Angkor Wat is the world's largest um, 
religious building, I guess is what it's called. It's, it's the size that it encompasses. Um, I'd recommend, if you don't know about the history of the Khmer Rouge and what happened there, I'd recommend reading about it. And in, in that document, there's some uh, history book suggestions and some other suggestions of uh, to read up on that, um, you know, the genocide that happened there. It's, it's pretty amazing. Of course, there's movies out there like The Killing Fields that, you know, bring, bring, uh, bring it home. I won't go into the politics <laughs> now, <laughs> but you may feel free to. Um, and just to get a sense for those of you who maybe don't know where uh, Cambodia is, this is Southeast Asia here, Thailand, Cambodia is here. Here's Vietnam, Laos, Burma, and China. And um, we'll be flying in and out of Phnom Penh, which is right here. It's the capital. Uh, as Beth said, it's um, it's amazing. Just in the, the the between the time two years I've been there, just the development that's going on. There's a lot of countries that are um, building basically the tourist industry and and uh, whatever other industries they can make a profit from. But there's um, it's a beautiful city still, and there's um, really uh, amazing sights to see, great restaurants. Uh, we'll be visiting a um, Calmet Hospital, one of the, the main hospitals there for the people interested in the medical stuff. Uh, we'll also be going to the National Palace and the National Museum. So we'll be doing some sightseeing there, and it's it's a nice. There's also a, a genocide museum, which you, you, you have an option of, of going to if you want to see that. I, I've been to it. It's it's pretty intense experience. Oh, and then, um, so we'll be flying into Phnom Penh and then getting uh, acclimatized for a few days and then driving to Takeo, which is a small town where there's a hospital where the, the medical people will be uh, working at, the medical and the, the ones who want to do non-medical work with the medical group. Um, our hope is at this point, uh, and it looks like it's um, going to be possible, to have a, a splinter group of people who want to work in an orphanage, the uh, Wadopot Orphanage. It's a beautiful um, run, and I, I don't have time to go into the history of it, but it's a, it's a place that accepts international volunteers, and I've been in communication with them about sending a, a team of us um, over at that same time to work there and stay. You'll stay there. They have dormitories. I have a few slides of it. And um, that's just about 10 minutes away by, by tuk-tuk. A, a tuk-tuk is a little motorcycle with a wagon on it, and that's, a, that's the recommended form of transportation. I don't recommend motorcycle taxi, although <laughs> Beth lives by them, and, but it, it's just um, I want you all safe, so that's my, my recommendations. Um, I second that where you're concerned. Absolutely second that where you're concerned. You don't get on the back of motorcycles. You know, and you go with tuk-tuk drivers that you know, that have been selected, that are careful, and you make sure that you're going with somebody who knows directions to where you're going and everything else. Okay. Oh. Oh. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Next. So there will be six days um, at. Uh, for those working at the hospital, and there may be some uh, visits out to rural areas setting up day clinics. We haven't ironed all that out. 
Um, and then, as I mentioned, the orphan orphanage is right outside here, so it's, it's very conveniently located. I'm going to be showing slides of the mission I was on with a different organization two years ago, and that's also in the same area, just, just happened to turn out that way. Uh, so six days in Takeo, then back to Phnom Penh uh, for a day to have a, um, a banquet that our, their hosts are putting on. And then the next morning, for those who wish to, we'll be taking a bus up to Siem Reap, which is where Angkor Wat is. And it's, it's about a six-hour bus ride, I guess? Seven. Seven-hour bus ride. There's stops along the way. It's, um, you know, it's an, it's, it'll be a nice chartered bus. but Roads in great shape. <laughs> Wasn't always the case. We'll have uh, three days at Siem Reap for sightseeing the ruins. There will also be um, a tour of the famous uh, Anchor Children's Hospital uh, there. Um, also, we'll be visiting um, in the, the, this is a, basically this lake here is a floodplain uh, for the, the Mekong River that comes down here. So it, it expands twice its size in the rainy season, but people live on the lake and there's these floating villages. We'll, we'll be touring that as well. Take a bus ride back after that to Phnom Penh. We'll have a day, and our hope is, and it'll depend on what flights we arrange, is to have a half-day meditation retreat. There should be time for shopping, but, you know, really our intentions with this program is to not just go and, you know, do good work and have a nice time sightseeing and eat some good food, but to actually do it meditatively. We'll have some teachings on mindfulness and compassion and um, the, the intention at this point is to have the uh, half-day retreat. Um, and we have a beautiful facility where, where Beth has her uh, Sunday um, sangha. Oh, okay. I was going to actually offer our place. Oh. But, you know, uh, uh, Staff's, place is, Staff's place now has gorgeous blue and white cushions. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, anyway, it's, depending on the size of the group and the day of the week. Uh, we've got a couple of options, and if they fail, I'm sure Yosua will let us use Watlanka. Oh, oh yes, yeah. yeah. Well, and that was the other thing. Thank you. We're um, we will be going to meditate with him um, at the beginning of the trip. So well, this is a, a friend of Beth's. I don't know if you want to talk about him, but uh, he's a he's a lifelong monk, I guess, since a boy. He was ordained at eight. He comes from Prebang Province. He was in France and Australia during the Khmer Rouges while he's still alive. He was a very, very close friend of Samdak Maha Gosananda, for those of you who know who Maha was, and a founder of the Cambodian Peace Walk. And he does a lot of work in his home province of Prevang and in Svai Ring next to it on things like school sanitation. He supports a hospital in Prevang and brings doctors in for two-week stints twice a year for free medical care. Um, he's very unassuming. He's in his early 60s. And if you only went to Cambodia to meet him, it would, be, it would make the trip worthwhile. Aside from that, I don't like him much. <laughs> <laughs> and I've met with him, and he's, he teaches meditation to Westerners, uh, I think, regularly on Thursday evenings. But he's, he's happy to, uh, for us to meet with him and talk with him and, and meditate with him. So I'm going to talk a little bit about my past experience doing this type of work, just to give you an idea of the medical aspect of it. Um, 
there's a lot of information on this slide, but some people have asked me, you know, what, what to expect. This, I was on a medical mission in 2011. It was very similar to this one. It was a six-day clinic. We had um, a lot fewer providers than we're going to have on this uh, trip, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute. And um, we just were very efficient and saw a lot of patients and treated different conditions. Uh, what you can do in six days in a clinic is limited. I, I'll be honest with you about that. Um, but there was something uh, very precious about showing up, being there, uh, demonstrating that, you know, we could have done anything with our time on, you know, this type of vacation, but we chose to be there. And the, the Cambodians we met, you'll see some pictures, were just so appreciative. And our hope is in the long term, if we can establish ourselves with a particular community in Cambodia, is to fund a clinic, a freestanding clinic, and to fund Cambodian staff to staff it, and then our volunteers could come and do short stints and, you know, kind of help out and bring, you know, different supplies and, and grow it that way. That's our, our long-term vision. So this is just some pictures from that mission, um, and the way, and the flow will be a little bit different, but on this coming trip, but um, patients would come in, they would be registered, it, you know, it's all voluntary and it's all free, just in case we weren't clear about that, they, we don't charge the patients anything. Um, we do some health education, just simple, some simple hygiene, and, and this is one of the jobs that um, you can have that doesn't require uh, medical education. Uh, we have translators. This was a, a physician assistant student who was on our, in our group doing that. We all took turns at different stations. Uh, then people go to triage. That was me uh, uh, taking blood pressures in triage. So patients will have their blood pressure and their vital signs recorded in their name on a little uh, intake sheet. And I, I loved this station because I didn't have a translator. So all I had to do was, you know, touch the patients, look them in the eyes, smile, and just, you know, enjoy that interaction, that nonverbal interaction. There's a lot of mindfulness and compassion that just wells up naturally. Um, this is a different, the next, uh, as you see, a provider, um, and these monks, young monks, were translating for us. We had several translators at a time. This was uh, uh, two patients that I was seeing there, and right there I was uh, taking their information, and then I would do a physical exam and, and offer some treatments. This is pharmacy, and this is where we um, also employed a lot of non-medical people in, in actually working in the pharmacy. Um, you can do things like pill counting and, you know, getting medications. And uh, there's a provider that does the actual dispensing, handing it to the patient and going over the instructions and, you know, double-checking, making sure everything's okay. But this is an example um, of, of the uh, non-medical work. And these monks, you know, were helping out counting pills. And we had, in that case, we had food brought to us. We were, this is, you can kind of see this is a two-story open-air pagoda, a big meditation hall. And the clinic, uh, there's tarps lined up there um, here. The clinic was on the other side of that, and then we had um, our food uh, made. Uh, and um, it's, uh, Cambodian food is kind of like Thai food. It's influenced by Chinese food and Vietnamese. It's delicious it has its own flavors, too. Um, there was several vegetarians on this uh, trip, and there will be a lot on this c coming trip, so we will have uh, everywhere we go vegetarian options. The, the regular food they served um, was just 
full of meat. I mean, they, you know, the Cambodians love their meat. What they, what they served was, us. Okay, that's what they served. Yeah. Uh, normally, it's a very small bit of meat or fish or chicken and a lot of vegetables. I think it's because you were Westerners that you yeah. got larger portions. <laughs> and rice, rice at every meal. No, that's, yeah. that's rice or noodles, yeah. Correct. Yeah. This is where we stayed, and, it, and this is not what our trip is going to be like, but this was on that, what we had arranged was everyone brought their own tent and sleeping pad and bag, and we stayed in this beautiful upper, that's the upper floor of that pagoda, and there's these, you know, gorgeous murals telling the, the story of the, the Buddha and the monks would come and, come and go here and, and do their, their different practices. And it was just a very uh, wonderful, um, by the way, in the kind of this figure in the corner here is the director. She's a um, physician's assistant from Phoenix. This is PeaceWorks Medical is the name of the organization I went with. They do fabulous work. They've pulled out of Cambodia due to um, not having the access anymore. The Ministry of Health actually uh, closed the door on them. And so they're now in doing most of their work in Honduras and in Haiti, where they're definitely needed there, too. But it, this was just a very highly organized uh, trip. And here's the monks doing their meditations at the altar there. Um, I have a question. Why would the Ministry of Health close the doors to a charitable organization, or can you say? <laughs> Could you just repeat the question? Why would the Ministry of Health close its doors on a charitable organization? We have an expert on that question. They weren't getting enough money. Bottom line. That, that's the same for us. We, you know, we uh, are a small outfit, and they're they're not interested in what we're doing. So that's why we're partnering with a, a big organization that they are interested in. It's. Not every province that would have done that, but Takao is notorious for that. They've refused to have the Peace Walk go through there on occasion. Sorry. So these are just some typical country scenes that, that we saw there. Cute. The place we were working at was a, a working... Um, Monastery. It was a school, an orphanage. Um, it was really a wonderful place to be at. I'm, I have a friend uh, who's from this province. She's a Cambodian-American, second generation, and she's moving back there to that very, mon- that very monastery to work and set up. She has a nonprofit that's formed here in the States, and my hope is that over time we can go back and have a, a similar experience. The people are wonderful, and they you know, they were really disappointed after having this, this PeaceWorks group come in at three years in a row, establish a relationship and really, you know, help them out and not be able to come. So I'd like us to go back to that particular area. It's just some walking around the, the village with the, led by the, the head monk there. That's some of the, the volunteers on our time off. We won't be uh, working you at dawn to dusk, it's, uh, the clinic hours are 8 to 4, and at the orphanage, it's, it's very laid back. So it's, it's not a strenuous, um, well, let me change that. It can be stressful, you know, especially working in a strange environment. Um, we will have air conditioning in the hotels we're staying at and the restaurants, but there won't be, and we're going to be working out of a hospital. 
and um, it's it's not air conditioned. Um, so it, it can be a little um, bit of an adjustment, but we're going to encourage people who come to you know drink plenty of fluids, take time out to take care of yourself if you're not feeling well, and and you know please let us know. We're we're all in this together, so we'll um, definitely you know it's not a, a sweat factory or a labor camp. You've got doctors around. <laughs> And we do. We will bring uh, special medical supplies. I mean, there's there's um, a great hospitals in uh, Thailand next door. If there's a, a, any serious uh, problems, we'll you know medevac you or over to there. But for minor stuff, we'll have um, quite a bit of supplies. And as, as Beth said, you can get uh, anything over there, medication-wise. Might be a little bit drier when we go there. It was well. This this was from January. Uh, very lush. This is a rice field. And there's just the range of, you know, I guess that everywhere you go, there's this little girl lived in that uh, cart, that shack there in the background, and in that same village, there were people living in fairly nice houses that had generators and they had some electricity and TVs. But a lot of people live uh, still on, you know, just a, a few dollars a day or less. The Cambodian people are just so warm and, and welcoming. And, um, you know, it, it just when I went to the Genocide Museum, I was just in awe at, you know, how could this, how could these people, us people, you know, who are so warm and loving, do such horrific, you know, violence to each other? Um, it, it just apples the mind. That's Angkor Wat. So here's some of the, the details of the trip. Um, we don't know who all is going to be uh, joining us. We have 10 people have told me they're, they're very committed to going. But it'll, you know, we'll see the application deadline is November 15th. We are uh, partnering, as I mentioned, with the Cambodian Health Professional Association of America. I've, um, this is their third year doing medical work. These are their leadership are all people who have survived the Khmer Rouge. They're refugees. They came to this country, uh, went to school, and became doctors and nurses and pharmacists and different, you know, health professionals. And they've been in a nonprofit for about over 10 years and are finally starting to go back to their country. They've, they're very well organized. They're very well connected. The um, director of the, uh, of, of I'll call them CHAPA, that's what they call themselves, just to abbreviate, uh, was, uh, went to high school with the Minister of Health, so doors open <laughs> for them. And um, their team, they have a separate website, um, and I encourage you know, those who want to go, we have a link to it on our, on our website, to look at their... Uh, material and you know they have some beautiful videos of the work they've done, but it's very similar to the the mission I just showed you where they, you know, this year they're going to do surgical, dental, and medical. Last year they had 80 volunteers, which included some people uh, from overseas, some people from Cambodia, and then a lot of. Uh, they're located in Long Beach. This is the largest Cambodian American uh, refugee community in this country is in Long Beach, California, near in Los Angeles. Um, and that's where they're located. They're very excited about having us join them. They're, uh, most of them are Buddhist. 
they're not all Cambodians. A lot of the volunteers who went are, you know, people like us who are interested. And so if you look at their, the pictures of their volunteers, you'll see, you know, just kind of a lot of diversity on who went in terms of age and ethnicity and, you know, religious backgrounds. They are Buddhist, but they, their organization is really not a Buddhist organization. They're, they're uh, secular and, and non-denominational. And, and even though, I want to just take a moment here, even though that um, a lot of the leadership of this organization is Buddhist, you don't have to be a Buddhist to, to join us. We're not going to be uh, doing any proselytizing. We, we will offer mindfulness instructions. Those are optional. We hope you take advantage of them. We'll be doing some sitting together and, and you know, have this half-day retreat and meet with Venerable Yosfut. But um, if, if you're uh, at all um, squeamish or skeptical or, or you know, wondering what the whole, how the whole spiritual practice fits into this. Just want to assure you that it's not going to be, a, we're not on a religious mission. We're on, you know, on a humanitarian aid mission. So um, we won't know how big the, the number of IWA uh, volunteers that are going on this trip are, but um, this uh, song, the, the leader of the CHAPA has said, as many as, as we want, uh, they're, they're willing to take. So we'll see um, who, who signs up by November 15th. And some of the nitty-gritties will, uh, they'll be flying out of LAX, but probably most of us will fly out of SFO. So once we know who's going, we'll, and all of the specifics, if they're going to go on, like the, with the bulk of us, a lot of people have, you know, add-ons or coming in early or staying late. Um, but we'll get group uh, Flights, you know, we'll get a, a good rate for that, and, and, a, and a good airline, and good good times to fly. So we'll fly out of SFO, leaving. You were going to say, make a comment. Um, EVA Air provides the most efficient schedule at the lowest price of anybody flying back and forth. China Air consistently misses the Phnom Penh flight and gives you a nine-hour wait in Taipei on your way back. Um, that's why I stopped flying them after nine years. <laughs> um, Korea Air uh, has an eight-hour wait, but they give you a free trip to Seoul. Um, the LAX and the SSFO flights are generally scheduled to combine so that people coming from both flights coalesce and either go to Vietnam or go to Cambodia. With Bangkok, it's not a problem because there's so many Bangkok flights. But uh, meeting up with people in Taipei or Singapore or wherever uh, tends to be very, very easy because you arrive a couple of hours before you're all scheduled to depart. Um, I, yeah. yeah. Just between Beth and Jeff and I, you know, we've, we've had a lot of experience doing this flight, so we'll, we'll make sure you have a good, yeah. uh, the, the optimal flight at the best price. And I flew EVA, and they were fantastic last year. Um, so we'll leave on the 20th here, and the very specific itinerary is available on the CHAPA application. If you scroll down to the bottom, it has every day where we'll be and where the meals are and all of that. 
So I encourage you to look that document over. But basically, we'll be there in country for 12 days and then flying back. And uh, you leave on March 7th and you arrive on March 7th. We, we passed the international dateline. So there will be you lose a day going there and you gain a day coming back. So we should be back here on March 7th. Um, can you give him the mic? I looked briefly at the IMC website, and I didn't see the website they're talking about. Maybe I just missed it, but when you say our website, is it right there visible on the main IMC page? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. We, we're Insight World Aid. So we need um, to look So we're Google a separate – okay. it was formed here at IMC. So we ha on the, that front page, there's a link to Insight World Aid, and that's our website where all of this is at. Yeah. And if you take uh, one of these handouts, it has also the, the website itself there. Um, let's see. So that's those are the dates that we're shooting for. Um, we estimate the airfare to be between 1,500 and 1,000. Um, Chapa, their latest prices were there's, they're they're thinking they can get group tickets for 1050 out of LAX. <clears throat> the ground costs uh, vary. Uh, this is for 900 to 750. 900 is a single occupancy room. Uh, 750 is if you have a roommate and um, you'll have some say over who your roommate is, it, you know, it's, especially if you identify. We'll have some meetings for those who commit to going of, to get to know each other and, and to, um, you know, if you want to find a roommate. The, uh, there's also an option if you just wanted to go for the medical part, there's an option to do that, and that's the, those prices are less. This, these are room and board prices that CHAPA, they're doing all of the logistical work, and uh, based on my past experience doing a number of medical missions. They're, these are very good prices for what they offer. Chartered buses, air-conditioned buses. They are going to have air-conditioned hotels. The, um, the food that we're having at the hospital will be catered by a uh, restaurant owner, a Cambodian-American uh, who has a, a restaurant in Long Beach, and she's coming on the trip and is going to be the director of nutrition. So, uh, <laughs> and so... Apparently, the, her restaurant's fabulous, but I haven't eaten there. So that's um, those are the costs. And it's, so if you just stay for the medical mission, you fly in and out, which um, I would encourage you not to do. But some, some people need to do that. They can only take a, a week off of work or 10 days. Then the costs are lower. They, they, they prorate it. The, um, this is, that kind of just mentions what's included there's a couple of, I looked at their schedule, there's a couple of meals that were on our own, but just like two or three. So the rest of them, breakfast, lunch, and dinner will be provided. Um, and you may want to skip some meals to go eat at some of these fabulous restaurants in Phnom Penh. <laughs> I, I have a recommendations, and you'll get even better ones from her. Okay. So we went over that, and um, here's some ways to help support this. I have a few more picture slides about the orphanage. They're a little out of order. These are uh, ways you can get involved. Um, obviously, go with us. That would be great. Uh, you can also help organize from here. Uh, for example, Brian can't go on our trip, but he's done a lot of our wonderful work for our organization um, to help us make this become a reality. The, um, and in a minute, Nancy is going to talk about the, our fundraiser that we're planning for the trip. I'll leave that for her. These are some slides from the Wat Opat Orphanage. Um, I didn't have great slides, but uh, basically this is an amazing uh, um, uh, 
place. It was uh, started as a AIDS hospice um, and founded by a, a Cambodian man and an American man. They got together and made a, a partnership to have a volunteer organization. And as the people came in there with uh, their HIV to die, they, some of them brought children. And so they died and they uh, you know, cremated the parents there and then they were left with all these children. And um, now they don't get any more. In about 2006, Wayne, the director, decided that the children had seen enough dying. And at that point, health care in Cambodia and hospices were readily available. And he wanted the kids to have a chance really fully to recover. And that's when he closed the hospice. Mm, thank you. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, so he's done a wonderful job. They they uh, have a number of international volunteers uh, that come there. And Carolyn, who's going to be, I can't say replacement, but a substitute, who's taken charge taken of, <laughs> of, of Beth's organization, um, she goes there quite often and is just in love with the place. I went with her this last visit and um, fell in love with the place myself and and this man, Wayne, and the kids. So they have an art class. The kids are all um, fed. They have a place to live. They have clothing. They pay for them to go to school. There's, some of the kids are in college now, and they're, you know, it's, it's, they have a tight budget, but they're really doing the best they can. Um, this is a, you can't really see that very well, but it's the five precepts. This is a little, uh, I think this is actually the Ministry of Health. No, this is the minist- probably the Ministry of Culture that puts this out, but, you know, just kind of. I thought it was the Damietra, actually. Oh, what? The Damietra, the Peace Walk that made that. Oh, I can't read but it, it down there. it might be a different one. Oh. Yeah, anyway. This is Wayne, uh, the director. He lives there, and he, um, the, some of the children are HIV positive, and they have a whole ritual twice a day around uh, medications that he does. And then, you know, the kids play and, you know, they're just, they're just kids. They're wonderful. I, um, every night they have a, I don't know what he calls it, but it's, I guess, a meditation. They, they do a meditation. Um, so I got a chance to teach some mindfulness with them. And then they, they sing songs and then they have like a disco extravaganza, uh, free for all. <laughs> this is just some of the buildings. They have a really nice uh, dormitory for those, you know, those who will be going there. There's... Um, a dormitory. I think it, their rooms are doubles, and they can accommodate, a, I think, about 15. I forgot the exact number, but um, it's very safe there. It's it's nice. It's rurally located. There's this very famous uh, anchor ruins uh, walking distance away. It's a, you climb a hill, and there's um, these ruins that you can look out over far distances, and it's very beautiful there. I'm envious for those of you who will be going there because I'll be at the clinic <laughs> down the road. So that's some of the logistics. There's a lot more. The document uh, has that information. Um, there's information on the our website, the CHAPA website. Um, maybe do you want to do the campaign now or the questions? Sure, but I'd, I'd love to see um, maybe just a show of hands of people who think they w- would or are considering 
going or our feeling, oh, great, wow, look at that. (laughs) Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. Thank you so much. Okay, so now I get to be a cheerleader. I get to be a cheerleader. And um, before you leave, I hope you will grab one of these little two-sided postcards um, out at our information table. This is our Friends of the Trip campaign. And even if you can't go on the trip, you have a wonderful opportunity to be um, firsthand involved with the trip. Gary Kasaya, one of our board members, will be our official blogger. He's an attorney, he's an author, he's a photographer, he's a wonderful writer, and he will be posting blogs, hopefully every day, from Cambodia, letting you know firsthand what we're doing, what we're experiencing, and um, so that you can send us all good meta messages. Uh, But aside from that, we also have real needs in terms of financial um, support. Everyone going on the trip will pay their own way. What we're fundraising for is not for our support on the trip, but in order to be able to take medicine. And uh, we feel strongly that we would like to have something that... If there are leftovers, we're not just leaving money there, but we're leaving something that will be used. Um, so your dollars will definitely go firsthand to um, being useful medications that patients will be treated with. Um, in speaking with uh, Linda, who is our actually our um, fundraising manager, um, she's another one of our board members, Linda McGrath, who couldn't be here today, um, but her thought was that um, she wanted us to be able, we'll probably be smaller in number, smaller in manpower, um, so her goal is that we send a big presence in terms of medications. We, um, unfortunately, we, our bags did not arrive. They're gonna, they're not gonna be here until, um, early this next week. But we've ordered these beautiful canvas bags that have our logo on them. They will sell for $20 a bag. So, um, definitely if you want, uh, you know, this would be a great purse to take on the trip. This would be a great uh, shopping bag so that you don't have to always get plastic bags or brown bags at the grocery store. A great gift. Um, So think about that. And if you would like to sell lots of these bags, okay, Jeff, get ready, and make a $500 $500 raise at least $500 for our gift of medications. You will be given one of these beautiful <laughs> t-shirts that Jeff is modeling. We don't get Jeff with it. No, you don't get Jeff for the day. This is not <laughs> This is not rent Jeff out. But you will get the T-shirt, and you will get the wonderful, um, good feeling of knowing that you have supported this endeavor. Did I say it?
Okay. <laughs> Any questions now? We'll entertain those. It's just a question about the uh, uh, medications. Actually, the how do how do the AIDS uh, medicines get to you? Do you you buy them from whom? Are they given what? No, no, I, I, I meant the ones that you give or, or that are given or no, that... No, 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 I'm going to let, let me explain the structure of AIDS medicine, okay? Uh, the major AIDS players, UNAIDS, the AIDS Alliance, etc., provide free antiretroviral medicines for everyone who needs them in Cambodia. Um, AIDS medicines are not something that anybody should buy in America at American prices and bring to Cambodia in a supply which is going to run out. So while there are medicines that are useful to bring and very helpful to bring, AIDS medicines are not among them. Tuberculosis medicines are not among them. Okay. Um, it might be worth my sitting down with Jeff or Jeff sitting down with other people about which medicines. Okay. You may you may well be seeing AIDS patients, but you will be seeing them for other conditions, conditions that are related to AIDS you may see people who don't know they have AIDS. There's a whole lot of that right now. But please, please, um, the situation for free antiretrovirals is very tricky right now. Cambodia was one of the major success stories in the world about providing them. And coming in as a temporary group with some antiretrovirals is like is like giving somebody a day's worth of antibiotics when they're very very sick. What your chances of doing are of creating resistance and not helping at all with the disease. Yeah, and, and that isn't our plan um, in terms of antiretrovirals. Each country has their own protocols. It's nationalized. It's overseen in that way. But we will not only be seeing HIV-positive patients. Um, we'll be seeing a broad spectrum, so there are lots of medications that are needed. Yeah, and I just wanted to be a little bit clear about how the medications are going to work. Um, the organization we're going with, CHAPA, uh, has um, organiz other organizations that donate. They also uh, do fundraising. So they're buying all of their medications here in the States or having them donated. They're all, um, you know, U.S. quality medications. They have expiration dates that are at least six months out. This is all... WHO requirements, and they, um, we've investigated this organization, CHAPAS, and we feel that they're fiscally responsible, that you know, we feel that they're a good partner for us, that we can trust them. 
and either, you know, the tax forms are on the up and up, everything I can tell. They uh, don't have any paid staff. It's all volunteer, just like we are. They have very low administrative costs. So the money that we raise on the fundraising, we will give to this organization to buy medications, and we'll, we'll know exactly where the money goes. We'll have accountancy of that. Also, we have here Dr. Rob Negrin, who's um, a professor at Stanford, and he's helping us. We're also, Chappas has asked us to provide some medications. We have a list of medications, so he's going to help uh, get some medications. I'm, I'm working on getting some medications that we could then donate to the, the cause. Um, but we have a list, if you're interested, in exactly what the formulary will be and what we're, what we're planning on bringing. But we won't be buying any medications over there. As, as, or they haven't in the past anyways. Um, I'm a physician. My field's internal medicine. One of my colleagues at the Palo Alto Medic Foundation organized a number of trips to Haiti after the earthquake, and I went on one some months after the earthquake had occurred. And uh, what it was was small teams that went to the tent cities and set up mobile um, clinics. And while I think we did some good, the frustration was that so much of what those folks needed was better places to live, clean water, and what you could do with a weak source of medicine, practicing as an internist as opposed to a plastic surgeon who's repairing cleft lips or that sort of thing was, was really felt a little bit like a drop in the bucket. So my question is, um, it this, this does sound like a wonderful thing to do, but how would this be different from that experience in terms of are we doing something that is got some that, that sustains itself as opposed to dropping in and jumping back out? Um, okay. I'd like to tackle that a little bit, not completely obviously, but you're not walking into an emergency situation. The tent cities in Haiti were the response to a catastrophe. Okay. What you're walking into is ongoing. What you are doing, because I've seen the effects, especially with Yosuit bringing in the, the French doctors twice a year. Um, what you are doing is transient. What you are doing is not helping profound structural problems. What you are doing is not fixing anything. That's all true. But what you are doing is saving lives. What you are doing is giving people who otherwise don't have access to care, access to reliable care, you know, for free. And it may be a drop in the bucket, but it's a very important drop in the bucket. And I think it's real important not to underestimate the value. It's so important not to overestimate the value, and that's why what you've said is so tremendously important here. But it's also, you know, it's the good old middle path. You're not going to fix Cambodia. You're not going to fix the village. If there's a clinic long-term, it might do some significant good in the long term. But what you do, are doing is taking an important step. And, you know, they saw 2,600 people 
Those people would not have been seen. Those people would have gone to the pharmacy and spent all their money on medicines that would kill them. Okay? So somewhere, but the big difference is that you were in Haiti in response to an emergency. You're in Cambodia in response to long-term endemic problems. And you're alleviating the suffering of some people in the midst of that. I hope that helps. I'm very much in favor of this project. I'll, I'll just add to that. Um, since Chapa has so much uh, ties, there, I mean, a lot of their families live there, and they go there on vacation. They have a lot of connection with that country. They're they're there period not just once a year, but they're there periodically, uh, organizing things, funding various projects. So. This, I'm, I'm very excited we've chosen them to be our partners. I think they have, other than your s- standard mission, I think they have a, a more of a long-term vision for addressing exactly what you said. Paul, did you have a question? Um, I guess just a couple, my name is Paul. I have a couple questions. Um, one, and I think this might have come up at a prior meeting, um, is is there going to be any provision for real basic eye care like glasses? I would imagine in some of these rural areas that could be a need. And um, is there any talk of like taking an optometrist along or a, a, a cache of glasses to, just to, to 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 hand out to people who need them? And um, the second is just about mental health, the counseling. Um, is there going to be any continuity available, like a handoff that's going to be made, or is there any? resources for that um, um, in, in the places that we're going. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to answer the first question and then defer the second question to Beth. Um, we would love to have an optometrist or an ophthalmologist um, or even an optical technician come with us. And, and my guess is there probably will be one or two, you know, with the, including, you know, whether it's our group or the whole CHAPA enterprise. Um, we have, you may have not seen this, but in the back of on the corn, uh, counter there, we have a box where we, for now over a year, have been collecting eyeglasses, sun, both uh, old prescription lenses and um, sunglasses and toothbrush, unopened un- toothbrushes. And on these trips, um, you know, we'll try and distribute these. You know, but in order to distribute the glasses, you need to have, as you pointed out, an expert who can help out. You know, first of all, they're just any old glass in a box, so they have to be typed. And I don't know how that process works, but figure out what the prescription is, and then find match that with the appropriate uh, person who needs it. But eye um, problems are just rampant in developing nations. You know, this, the de- the, a lot of people work labor outdoors, and so the the damage from ultraviolet. You know, a lot of people have cataracts. They have all sorts of conditions. So. Um, even just an old pair of sunglasses, you know, are greatly appreciated. So that's the eye question. <laughs> there, there also is an eye hospital. Oh, sorry. There also is an eye hospital down there. It's one of the few. Um, except for TPO, which is an international organization based in the Netherlands, that does psychologically appropriate counseling and works basically with groups. And Social Services of Cambodia 
that does counseling training and some counseling, um, there is no psychological care in Cambodia. There are no psychiatric inpatient beds. There are outpatient clinics where you can get drugs and sometimes you occasionally get the correct ones, but it's as much by accident as anything else. Um, I would myself be very hesitant about doing psychological counseling in a society I knew nothing about where people have been traumatized beyond anything I can imagine. Um, loving people is very healing. And they will hold that after you leave. But there will be no handover. Okay? And that's just one of the realities that needs to be well understood. Um, we deal with that every day. Okay? And that's in Phnom Penh. That's not in the provinces. Can you just walk us through um, a typical, there's probably no typical, but you, you have a, a patient and they have hypertension or migraines or pneumonia. Um, you, as the, the initial person, what, what happens? Do they go to a different station and meet someone else? How, how is, exactly does that work out? Well, it's similar to the flow that I showed here. This, what Chapa has planned and what they've, they've told me is, you know, you get registered, the patients come in, they get registered. Then they get, and part of the registration is starting the encounter form, very similar to what happens in this country with their name and, you know, some information. Um, they probably will check identifications just because patients like to come through several times. <laughs> um, that's what I've noticed on these trips is they, you know, they get a month's supply of antihypertensive medications, which isn't really doing the job but they come through three times and they get three months, you know, or maybe they sell them or who knows uh, what happens there. But um, anyways, they, uh, we had the patient education piece. I think that's going to be at the end, but they would, in a groups, they would get some hygiene information. Then they'd have their vital signs taken at another station on, and then recorded on their sheet. And then they see a provider, either a physician, a physician's assistant, nurse practitioner. <clears throat> Then they go to pharmacy. Some people will get some. Will have some physical therapists. There's, there's actually Chapa has a director of physical therapy. So there's, my guess is there'll be several uh, physical therapists. Um, I don't know if there's going to be any other. On this trip I was on, we had an acupuncturist. So we'll see who shows up. And that was tremendous. I mean, the Cambodians were initially, you know, I, I don't know. Acupuncture came out of China in that, that area, but they were really initially very weary about it. But once they did it, they loved it. And, you know, everyone has chronic pain, so it was very helpful. Uh, after the pharmacy and they get their medications that the provider has prescribed, then they're discharged from the clinic. Or if they have, they need referral. And apparently they do a fairly good job of, you know, within the limited circumstances to refer patients. The hospital's a that we'll be working out of is called the Takeo Provincial Referral Hospital. And it's, you know, basically the only hospital in that area. And it's, it has, um, I, I saw the facilities uh, two years ago. 
it has um, like an obstetrics ward and surgery and different wards, but it you know it, it just lacks in supplies. But it, it is a fully functioning hospital with you know patients, inpatients and outpatients, and physicians, nurses, pharmacists, the whole staff. I have two parts to my question. I live in Oakland, but I go back to Australia every year, so I'll be going back in November, and I'm really uh, interested in this trip, but I'm aware I'll miss out on some of the getting together groups to get to know each other and whether that's a problem, because I will be flying from Australia to Cambodia. Um, and maybe I could tee up with a buddy or something, and we could email so I can stay in the loop. Uh, so that's my first question. The second question is I'm really uh, keen to work at the orphanage, but I'm wondering is, would I be better uh, of use um, in the medical area? I don't have any medical um, background, uh, but do I, would I make the choice or would I just, I'm, I'm happy to be available, whatever's of use. Okay, thank you. Um, for the first question, there's a number of people who are interested in going on the trip that don't live in this area, and I've been in communication with them. So my guess is when we have these volunteer meetings, we could do a, a Google Groups, uh, you know, some sort of Skype option so you could be live with us, uh, getting to know each other and, you know, talking about what to expect and what to pack and, you know, just the, the nitty-gritty stuff that we'll do at those meetings. Uh, for the second question, um, I would say that... Um, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> so, so maybe on the for the second question, you could put down your preference, and um, with the idea of a willingness of wherever the greatest need is, but certainly identify your preference. Yeah, and that we don't know who's going to show up for this. To, the, to this date, I'm the only one that sent in the application and the check. So I imagine it'll be a lot of people in the end, but, you know, there's two months left. So uh, what I've, the way we have it arranged with Chappas is they know we're going to have this splinter group go off to the orphanage. They're going to uh, prorate us those days for the room and board for those volunteers. We'll, we'll arrange for the transport. We'll get a chartered bus to take the, the volunteers out there. And um, the orphanage charges a, a daily room and board fee. I, I, I forgot what it is, but it's like $30 a day. It's very reasonable. And um, so there will be a smaller group at the orphanage and a bigger group at the, the clinical site. And we need, uh, they've told us they need a lot of non-medical people doing different tasks. And um, so... Yeah, well, I, I don't know all of the tasks, but just typically there are things like registration. You know, we also use Cambodians to register because you have to be able to write the, the names out in Khmer. Um, we'll have uh, people working, assisting in the pharmacy. There will be probably people doing gopher jobs. Um, maybe there will be some cleanup jobs or mi uh, minor construction jobs. Those are typically, uh, there's always plenty of work to be done um, on many Missions I've been on, people with computer expertise have been actually the most valuable <laughs> members. There's always lots of viruses and problems uh, cleaning up the software on, on systems. So I, I don't know the specifics of, the, of what that looks like now. But And then at the orphanage, the jobs will depend on what they need. Um, when I was given a tour there, Wayne, the director, showed me this micro hog farm they have. 
And I said, you're raising hogs? <laughs> you know, kind of. And he said, yeah, we had this group of Americans come in a, a few years back, and they had $50,000, and, you know, we needed a new school building, but they wanted to build a hog farm. And it's either take it or leave it. And I heard this and I was just, you know, shocked. Um, so now they have, they grow these hogs and, you know, and, and subsequently to that, the whole group of all, the, the stable people like Wayne and Melissa have turned vegetarians. So they don't even, although the kids eat meat, but they, they don't. So um, anyways, so we want to, this is just a story to tell you, we want to do what they need and not um, necessarily come in there with an agenda um, or, you know, a, a certain structure. And whoever the team of people who end up going to the orphanage is, they'll be in communication with Melissa, the volunteer coordinator at Wattopot to, um, you know, iron out those details and see if there's maybe some sup special supplies that need to be brought or something that they could use that we could easily bring over. Or donate. Could I yet? I'm sorry, I'm talking much too much, but um, it's my experience that working where your heart is is an enormous source of energy, especially under difficult conditions. Okay? So I would allow that space in how you sign up, all of you. The second thing is that one of the things that non-medical people can do in these situations is just hug relatives. You know? The mommy's there, the kid is sick, the mommy's sick, the kid is screaming. You know, just being a warm and loving presence and being there for the person who isn't being treated or sometimes for the person who is. But there, I suspect there's going to be a whole lot of that that needs to be done. And, you know, you know medical training is not required. <laughs> so I guess my point is that a loving heart is the strongest non-medical thing you can bring, except maybe computer skills. <laughs> and, and, and you'll get to use it. Um, regarding showing the preference, my memory tells me on the CHAPA application that there wasn't a place to show the preferences. Maybe I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. So should people who want to go to the orphanage write that in? That, that's correct. Actually, probably, um, see, CHAPA is not sponsoring the orphanage. That's, uh, that's an IWA oh, okay. separate arrangement that they're on board with, but they're, gotcha. and they'll be, uh, be part of the um, bigger group at the beginning and then, but for that mm -hmm. six days, that's a, that's a separate thing. So probably you'll just tell us and we'll, we'll know. And then as we, you know, as this kind of shuffles out, uh, I'll talk with Song, the, the director, and say, okay, the, these people have signed up to go on the trip and they would really like to go to the orphanage. What are your needs? You know, we'll find out what Melissa's needs are and then we'll, you know, we'll see what's, what's going to work for each one of the volunteers too because, right. you know, we want you to have a say and then we'll, we'll work something out. Okay. And the second thing is... Um, uh, Terry had asked me, and I'm sure others are wondering, you said we need some volunteer help. 
maybe since we have such a large group, you could talk about what are still some of the roles that people here can help on the project, thank whether you. they're going or not. Yes, thank you. Um, other than the um, promotion, the fundraising campaign, we need help also with registration, um, answering questions. We also would like to um, take the fundraising campaign to outside of just this sangha here. And so we've had some thoughts about uh, mailing our, our beautiful flyers out to some of the other sanghas locally and uh, spreading the word with that. We always have... Um, an interest in doing some local projects. So I know this is, we're talking about Cambodia today, but what we'd love is to have something here on the peninsula. <clears throat> and no one's really showed up. IMC has a wonderful, <clears throat> excuse me, a wonderful. Um, um, yeah, so IMC has a, a group here that meets together um, an engaged Buddhism group and they're doing things like reading to children um, at schools. Um, we have done um, a, a day of uh, for Project Homeless Connect here in the Bay Area where um, many, many services, not just medical services, are provided a one-day intensive where people come. But we're looking at other opportunities as well where people locally can be involved. So certainly that's an area where volunteers can plug in and are needed on an ongoing basis. Other things we need, uh, as I mentioned earlier, medications and supplies. So if, if any of you have connections <clears throat> with hospitals uh, or pharmacies, sometimes they have programs where they, they donate medications. And, and if that's the case, if you have any connections or interest in pursuing that, just one sec, um, that, that would be greatly appreciated. We'd love to have people looking up for grants. I mean, uh, we're a nonprofit organization with a lot of expertise in healthcare providing and various other fields, and we probably <clears throat> qualify for certain grants. Um, sorry. So if you are a grant writer, if you have experience in that, oh my goodness, do we want to talk to you because Jeff and I sort of both hate that job. <laughs> you had a question? Can you use medications that were delivered to in-home hospice patients that have never been opened? Um, probably if they're, <clears throat> they're not expired and they're still in a bubble package, but if they're in a bottle that's not like shrink wrap sealed, that, so probably not those. Um, I'm wondering if um, if you guys can speak to the support that's provided to um, the providers that are going um, as far as debriefing and kind of emotional support at the end of the day, um, kind of talking about how the day happened, what happened. You know, my, my, my sense is that this is a really emotionally intense experience for a number of people. Yeah, thank you thank for you. asking that question. There will be some meetings with CHAPA, and they have their own system in, in place that we'll find out about. But the vision I have is that the IWA 
volunteers will meet at the end of the day. The clinic fin finishes at four, so there's you know plenty of time to you know maybe for us to take a little break and rest and then reconvene before or after dinner to just talk about our experiences. You know we can do meditation if Terry comes or someone else. We could do some yoga. Um, so. There's uh, definitely that's high on our list is to have that support um, and have a certain amount of cohesiveness as a group. We'll be <clears throat> a small group joining a larger group. So we really want to make sure we're, you know, like little fish lost in the big pond. And that's that's really something we have attention uh, to. <clears throat> and there will also just another thing about support we'll have. Um, uh, translators and the, the on these groups, uh, you know, even with the bigger group, there's a lot of team spirits and you know friendships are formed and uh, friendships with our Cambodian hosts and with translators. I mean, it's it's just a very human, very um, heart opening experience. This you know this small community that comes together for a particular purpose, purpose and then disbands. So it, it it'll uh, it'll be the support. Well, I have a bunch of questions, but um, simply just our own health. I've seen pictures of people wearing masks a lot, and they talk about the dust, so I wanted that addressed. And then I happen to be one of those that have avoided getting vaccinations since I was like 18. All I've had is a TB shot, and that's it. So, no, not TB. Tetanus, yeah. So... I don't know anything about traveling and all the vaccines and stuff. Um, also, as an occupational therapist, I'm wondering would I be hooked up with other physical therapists or would there be splinting materials for people who have arthritis or would I just kind of float and kind of see maybe I'm hammering some pieces of wood together. I don't know. So when would our roles be identified? Um, and, oh, if if I was hooked up with other um, materials, making splints, that kind of thing, what about license and liability or making things that people don't like? Or okay, I'll try and take those and and uh, please Beth and Nancy uh, speak in. So the first one, the mask. I wear a mask in a uh, trans-Pacific flight, and I find what you know that kind of I don't get colds anymore on the, these flights. Um, and also it kind of uh, self-humidifies the air so I don't get as dried out and that, you know, it's a little bit un uh, cumbersome. I also wear, uh, so I bring a mask and I wear that if I'm in one of these tuk-tuks in the city because it can be quite dusty on some roads. I don't wear it, you know, in clinic or walking around because the air quality, I, I can't speak if that's the rice field burning season and how the air quality will be at that particular time, but um, the air quality I've encountered in, in Cambodia isn't, anywhere near um, India, for example. So it's a personal preference. Some people wear them, and not many Cambodians wear them. Or Cambodians wear them all the time. <laughs> Sorry. Cambodians wear them all the time. They are dirt cheap. They cost about a nickel a mask. Um, you can buy boxes of 50 of them. Uh, Cambodians, you know, it, you, know you, you might as well ask if people in Jordan wear headscarves. <laughs> so you will not be in any way, shape, or form unusual if you 
you know, pick up 50, a box of 50 masks and use it as you're comfortable. Um, I, what I don't like about it is that if you're a foreigner already and you don't speak Khmer, then it cuts off the number of clues people have to who you are. Um, but I wear them. And I wear them because there's multidrug-resistant tuberculosis around. And if you're in the hospital, sorry, Jeff, you should be wearing masks. If you could get N95 masks to take, take them. Okay? There's a lot of undiagnosed multidrug-resistant tuberculosis, and it is a horrible disease. So you want to be careful. Um, there is no such thing as liability in Cambodia. <laughs> That's the upside of living in a completely lawless place. <laughs> the downside is they'll take away your permit because you didn't bribe the right person. But <laughs> the upside is if you're trying to do something to help people, uh, the chances of getting sued for it are, I mean, even if you were sued for it, you're not going to be there. <laughs> um, one and, last thing uh, we, do, oh. we do require medical license you know the, uh, your professional license to be active the Chapas does so okay. yeah. that's yeah. fine yeah, yeah whatever fine. wherever you practice yeah. and then I just like to speak um, to your questions about immunizations and um, uh, that so uh, probably the best thing to do there are very good um, travel clinics that keep up to date, they have all the information from the CDC on an ongoing basis about what's required in each country. Um, and I know Palo Alto Medical Foundation, they're one that has a very good uh, travel department. But for your own well-being, uh, I would say do that and just see what they recommend and then get what is needed. Um, do not get a BCG vaccination for tuberculosis. Um, you should not get them as adults. You can get very sick from them, and they don't protect you against most tuberculosis. No, those won't be offered here. Yeah, oh, okay, because I, I got one. I got one in 2001, and it took me months to recover. <laughs> because they, they did offer it in Cambodia. They, they don't here. <laughs> because I didn't, have, I didn't have a reaction to the tuberculosis test. So they said, okay, take this. <laughs> so, okay, if they're not offering it, that's fine. Yeah. So, because I'll, I'll, yeah, she lives there, so I don't know. <laughs> um, when I go, uh, when I've gone in the past, I've been on um, anti-malarial pills, although um, malaria risk is very low. It's, it's bad if you get it. Um, I do have, uh, and it's not required, meningitis and rabies. We won't be around a lot of wild dogs, so that, that's not as much. Um, usually what's required, and there's, you can look on the CDC website, usually what's required is a typhoid vaccine, which can be an oral, um, hep uh, B uh, and A are typically recommended especially well, all medical care workers usually have hep, hep and a TD. Yeah. You should always be up to date on your, your tetanus, diphtheria, um, and pertussis. 
Just going to add, I'm, I'm actually a primary care doctor, and um, for Hep A, you know, and B, the vaccine series, ideally you'd get it um, first shot, and then the last shot would be six months. So it would be now would be a good time to start. For older adults over the age of 50, there's about a 3% mortality with hepatitis A, which is foodborne. So I think that's a really important one to get. Um, and we often think of that as kind of a benign but nasty illness, but actually, again, 3% mortality over the age of 50, so I would really recommend that. It, it, it should be good, yeah, if, if you've completed the series. I just have a question about communication to the U.S. from there, or if family members need to get in touch with you, or what's the status of communicating from there to the U.S.? We'll have, um, what I usually do when I go is um, the, the cell phone charges are uh, $3.50 a minute. I have AT&T, uh, but texting is a nickel or a dime. It's, it's very cheap, so I keep in touch with my wife by texting. Um, I have bought a uh, cheap Cambodian uh, cell phone, and that's very useful. Um, but international costs are probably about a quarter a minute, and you can get a little... Uh, cards to charge it up and um, use it. Uh, I'll have one of those for emergencies, you know, if, if, you, if anyone on the trip needs emergencies. If you want to keep in touch with someone every day, like you, let's say you have a, an ill-loved one and you need that voice, um, uh, you know, to be able to communicate directly by phone and the, the um, texting doesn't work, then um, you can buy your own phone for about $20, $25, and you, get, um, you have to pay an extra, I think, 3 or $5 for a SIM card, and then you charge it with you know, $5 or $10 increments. There will be Wi-Fi in a lot of the hotels we're staying at. So I, uh, in this document that I, I mentioned on our website, I recommend that if, if people aren't attached to their iPads or their tablets, something you know, really lightweight, and they want to be able to do email and web surf and all that stuff to bring that. I mean, fairly safe. You may lose it. You know, there's no guarantees. I've, I brought mine, and, you know, it was with on my backpack on my person all the times, and I never lost it. You don't want to flash it out on the streets of Phnom Penh, but that's a, that's a good way to, to, do, to communicate as well, email. Um, Skype. Takao is a major city. There will be Internet cafes, and Internet cafes in Cambodia have got machines in them. They're not like, there's also Wi-Fi places where you bring your own. But there will be Internet cafes with computers with Skype, okay? And they will charge you about two and a half cents a minute to telephone the U.S., okay? Um... Having a phone in Cambodia and with your family having the phone is a great emergency system. Okay. And, you know, for 20 bucks, you get a perfectly reliable phone. You know, so for, for a maximum of $40, you can be set up to be called day or night should there be any kind of emergency. Um, we've skipped the intermediate technology. There are no landlines. But Wi-Fi, <laughs> cell phones, <laughs> you know. Um, 
you know, we're the third world. We, we, you know, it's amazing we have streets that are paved, but, <laughs> but you can get Wi-Fi pretty much. Any, any hotel you're going to be in is probably going to have Wi-Fi, and they will probably have computers to use it on. So, but I think Jeff's suggestion of a cheap cell phone, that way your, phone, your family can call you at any moment. And we'll, um, people who do have phones will share our numbers so in-country we can communicate. Like we'll be in communication with the, between the two teams at the, the two different sites uh, by, by cell phone. They do have um, cellular uh, access connection. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? No the, electricity, can, but they do have Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there is... Uh, an internet cafe equivalent at the Watto Pot. They have two computers that have internet access, and the volunteers are welcome to use those. Um, if you were exposed to the TB, like your test was positive, is that a problem over there? But you never contracted it. Is it a problem? In what Cambodia? do you mean by your test is positive? You, mean you know, your test, you were exposed to it, but you never contracted it. So the little test that they give you. Oh, you get a reaction. It, yeah. In Cambodia, that's considered optimal. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but what you do want to do, because what you've done is you've developed immunities from that exposure. That's why it's considered optimal. That's why they gave me BCG when I didn't have that reaction. Um, you do want to be very careful with masks and be very careful um, with alcohol and cotton and gloves and just making sure that in any situation in which you're exposed that your hands and mouth are protected, nose and mouth are protected. Okay. I have six AIDS patients on my staff, and we deal with this every day, and so far, so good. Some of them have nearly died from TB, so they're really careful. Okay. And just to clarify, you have some immunity to contract. You know, if, you're, if your PPD was positive, you have some immunity from, from TB, but you're not immune. You could still contract it. Yeah. So just, yeah, just... Uh, A lot of good questions. Yes. Oh yes, <laughs> they want them. So yeah, there's, um, you know, it, again in the document it gives some very specific recommendations about money. We usually don't recommend um, travelers' checks, but actually cash. And then they have ATMs all throughout Phnom Penh. There will be some in Takeo um, and banks where you can use um, your ATM card or even. Um, use your credit card. There, real, there will be a fee, though. You just need to find out about it. Um, oftentimes, there's a fee on both ends, both with the banker. Um, I think for credit cards, there's just the usual transaction fee and then an international fee, which can be a uh, few dollars. Those illegal after they started doing I don't know. I, think, I thought I got some I last got year. I refund. Oh. Yeah. Well, just check, <laughs> check with your bank because there's, there's fees. I bring several hundred dollars in 20s and you keep it secure. And then having some um, smaller change or even the, the uh, Cambodian money, the real, having some loose change in that for 
um, you know, giving tips or uh, um, donations or, you know, buying a little bottle of water or something. But, but cash, U.S. dollars work you know, most places. But, but your bills should be um, kind of pristine. If they're kind of torn or written on or folded up, sometimes those won't be accepted. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but. Well, actually, it's the money that used to be optimal. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen such filthy dollars since I saw when I got to I, I was watching one of these older um, presentations on on the website or I read somewhere something about people taking bucket baths. So is that do I don't know what that is. Okay. <laughs> or are we going to yeah. be in real hotels or Yeah, there tents? there shouldn't be no bucket baths. Um, <laughs> at that the slides I showed you that's we had bucket baths there and actually Somewhere on the third day, someone had this, I, I guess REI sells these portable showers that have a little pump that goes into a well and then a little stock that comes out, and we, we shared that until the battery died. But um, <laughs> there were bucket baths there. There will be showers. Um, probably will be heated water, um, not 100%. Well, these are nice hotels or staying. Wow, mm-hmm. I'm going to come visit you. You're, <laughs> you're going to join us. We're going to have it bring you along and smuggle you. No, we're going to put you to work, actually. We, at the end of the day, you can have a shower. Okay. I'll just make my little plug for um, bottled water, not drinking out of taps, and um, making sure that the bottled water is actually sealed. I think you say this in the... Um, in the handout and then also a few of those little um, pocket bottles of hand sanitizer that's always a good thing sometimes in developing countries soap and water and paper towels are not so readily available the water thing is very complicated Um, Chapa is going to be providing bottled water when we're with them so unless you go sightseeing on your own, there will, they will always have uh, water available for us, and they they are using the best quality, the company that has the you know the best quality water. So that should be fine. However, when we use those bottles, you know they don't have recology in Cambodia, so I always have a lot of guilt over creating you know 20 bottles of water. Now we do nef- definitely need to hydrate, um, so. There probably in the hotels will be bigger bottles that that should be secure, but at times I've used tap water that I've used a SteriPen. I don't know if you. Know. <laughs> okay, um, there are people who run around making their living collecting those bottles. Those bottles are an ecological catastrophe. You can buy them in every tiny village now, but they do get recycled. So don't mix them with your other garbage. When you throw them out, throw them out separately, and somebody with a cart is going to come along and be very, very happy. Um, The level of ecological catastrophe can't be solved at the personal with those. Um, And the water pot water is safe. If Wayne says to drink it, drink it, okay? Um, I don't use those little bottles at all. I use big bottles, mm-hmm. and they're reusable. But, um, you know, you can, you can 
bring some kind of thermos and fill it in the hotel, but I wouldn't recommend tap water, even even in the fanciest hotel in Phnom Penh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I survived doing it, but uh, yeah, we, we want you to be safe and we want you to be comfortable and we want you to be well hydrated. So we'll make sure there's a system in place that you you know get plenty of access to water and and drink a lot. Um, I was reading something about the travel insurance on on your documentation. Can you speak of that? And yeah. What it's for. Um, we're recommending that everyone get travel insurance just in case, um, not so much if the trip's canceled or you have a last-minute cancellation to get reimbursed. That's, an, that's a feature of most policies, but it's really the evacuation insurance. If something happens to you, we're going to do our best to get you to Bangkok um, or back to the States. Um, it's unlikely that something will happen, but just to have that, uh, the expense of emergency medical evacuation can be tens to $50,000, so uh, it's worth having um, a policy. There's a couple of links on that document. I was mentioning two different companies, uh, one I've used and one that's recommended by the Lonely Planet. Um, that, you know, it's, a, it's a simple policy. It's fairly cheap, uh, but we're recommending that you do that, and you probably don't even bother with that when you travel. But I'm not a model for what you're doing. No. <laughs> okay. Um, if if there's a chance that you might need to be evacuated um, to Bangkok or to Singapore, you really do want to have that covered. Sorry that that insurance will pay for itself um, really really well in one evacuation. I mean that I guess the the cost you're talking about would be back to the states. I. That's so beyond my can. I can't imagine it. Most but of our insurances don't, health insurances don't work over there. So uh, if you do end up getting treated over there, that would also be covered on most insurance policies up to a certain cap. So um, it, it's worth doing. I've traveled uh, pretty much yearly for the last six, seven years, and every, every time I've purchased travel insurance and never have used it, but... You know, it's good to have it there. <laughs> that's why. That's why you stayed well. <laughs> um, also, medical costs in Bangkok are about a fiftieth of what they cost here for the same quality of treatment. So you can sort of factor that into where you want to get evacuated to. <laughs> more uh, comments before we close, um, and if there's any more questions, we will be around for a while. The um, so if you're interested in this, I encourage you to go to the website. Uh, there's a, from the homepage, there's a Cambodia Project link, and then on that has all the information. It has several documents. It has the, uh, the trip details that I, um, document that I wrote and then ran it by CHAPA, and they, they said, oh, this is fantastic, this is exactly right, and they made some corrections, and those are there, and some of our other friends have made corrections. So that's there. The, um, there's two applications, one to IWA and one to CHAPA. The, the most important one is the CHAPA application. That's, that really um, assures your spot on the trip. They do have a November 15th deadline for that. With the application, they ask for a small photo for your, that we're going to have name tag IDs and also um, the check, not the deposit, but the um, check for the land costs. We'll figure out the, the flights uh, later. 
Um, we have uh, the link to the email, and we have we'll have a register uh, registrar. Uh, so if there's any questions that come up, you can um, email us, and we can uh, answer those. I also um, am one of the people that answer all of the Insight World Aid uh, emails. So if there's any questions, or you want to address it specifically to me, um, I'm happy to answer your questions. I'd like to encourage all of you. I know we're talking about trip insurance and evacuations and to multi-drug resistant tuberculosis and all this great stuff. But for many here, it's the opportunity of a lifetime. Um, I've known Jeff for a few years now. Uh, there is nobody I would trust more to go with. Um, you will be cared for. I know that for people who haven't left the States, it could be very scary. For people who've traveled a lot, it might be scary. Um, but they used to call the Peace Corps the toughest job you'll ever love. <laughs> I don't know if this is the, trip, the toughest trip you'll ever love, but I suspect that for many of you who are somewhere in that border between this is a really worthwhile thing to do and, oh, my God, I can't do that. Um, it's worth tilting the balance just a little bit because we don't always get this kind of opportunity. And when we do get it, and we're able to use it, then the world opens up to us in ways we could never predict. So I encourage all of you to listen to your hearts on this. And I do that in trusting you to Jeff and to Nancy with absolute confidence in their ability to sustain you when things are difficult and to encourage you when things are fine. And I guess I would just say um, I have not been to Cambodia, but I've worked um, in Africa and southern, um, some of the countries in southern sub-Saharan Africa. And, um, and with HIV uh, positive patients. And... Um, I I just would say it changed my life. Um, it uh, yes, I had the feeling this is a drop in the bucket. I'm not I'm not I, I'm one person, and look at all these people dying. But on the other hand, what they gave me in terms of their spirit and their heart and um, uh, it just it just was wonderful. So um, please do consider it thoughtfully, mindfully, carefully, lovingly. And even if you can't go, please give us your heart and support our campaign um, as we go. Yeah, either financially or by volunteering your time. Anything? 
Okay, well, thank you so much for coming today and being attentive and asking such great questions and showing your interest. And hopefully we'll see you soon and see you, see her in February. (laughs) 